Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent Meta Strategy Digital Symposium and features a conversation I had with Gabe Del Porto. Gabe's the Chief Executive Officer of Udacity, an online education platform focused on digital upskilling and talent transformation. He's been in his role for just over three years now, and prior to joining Udacity, worked at LendingTree, where he held several leadership positions, including that of CMO and CFO. In our conversation today, we discuss the skills that will be necessary for employees in the digital age and how companies can foster the upskilling necessary to keep pace with their digital transformations. Gabe looks at the current state of digital skills and where Udacity fits into the spectrum of overall education. He describes the three main skill sets that will be crucial for companies to train employees in, the path ahead for employees in non-technical roles, and the best practices for companies developing their own in-house digital academies. Finally, Gabe provides advice to incoming college students contemplating what skills to learn for their future careers. I hope you enjoy the conversation. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's Senior Vice President and General Manager of Global Customer Experience, Thamaya Subaya. As customer expectations evolve, Thamaya wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of these shifting expectations and make informed decisions on the future of work. Thamaya, over to you. Hello everyone, this is Tamai Subaya, SVP and GM of Global Customer Experience for Cisco. Businesses have had to make a dramatic shift to align to the rise in customer expectations, especially in this new hybrid work landscape. Work is a product of people, technology and places, and our perception of the future of work is constantly being reshaped. Cisco CX helps you make those informed decisions as customer experience continues to evolve. And hybrid work helps you support that evolution. It's here and it's here to stay. Just search for Cisco CX to learn more. And now on to our broadcast. And with that, I would love to begin the conversation with Gabe Dal Porto, welcoming him to uh, the virtual stage here. Uh, Gabe, uh, as I mentioned, is a leader in this topic of learning nimbleness, something that is, I think, of growing importance, as I say, at a time where the pace of change in business has never been faster, and yet it's the slowest it will be from this point forward. And as a result of that, we need to be building teams that are themselves curious enough, gritty enough, uh, and provide them the resources to build the, the, the skills of tomorrow, not just resting on the laurels of those of yesterday. Gabe, it's wonderful to see you today. Thank you so much for making some time for, for our audience here. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be uh, joining you today. Yeah. Well, Gabe, you know, I know from a prior conversation you and I have had, you, you noted uh, that there's a skills revolution unlike anything we've seen since the Industrial Revolution. That, that, that was the, what you noted to me. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. Peel back the onion a bit, if you would. Um, on why that's the case, and what are the broader implications on business as a result of that pace of change? Yeah, I mean, um, the reality is hundreds of millions of jobs are being automated as we speak due to uh, things like AI, machine learning, automation. Um, and at the same time, hundreds of millions of jobs are being created. Uh, and the jobs of the past are rapidly evaporating. The jobs of the future are um, are you know by and large more rewarding, more interesting, better paying, but it's not the same people. And and the structurally the world is not set up to skill hundreds of millions of people in things like autonomous systems and programming and data science and cloud and cybersecurity. Um, while there's enormous opportunity created, there's just a there's just a structural gap in our ability to fulfill uh, those jobs. And something like 80% of global 2000 companies are struggling to fill those roles. And uh, that's starting to impact their ability to 
deliver on their own digital transformation needs. Uh, countries are having uh, struggles moving from maybe like uh, agricultural or natural resource-based economies into uh, tech economies, and it all comes down to uh, to tech skills and um, and the world's inability to fill those skills. Yeah, very interesting. You've noted that there's a spectrum of training and education uh, opportunities out there. Talk a bit about where Udacity sits in that continuum, if you would. Yeah, if you um, if you kind of think about historically, how did you train people uh, on these types of skills? It was universities. Uh, the challenge is that the half-life of a digital skill is something like four years and is rapidly declining. And you can't quite go back to university every every year. And, uh, you know, given the cost of a university in the United States is, you know, all in something like $250,000 in four years. Like if you tried to reskill a couple hundred million people in the university system, you would bankrupt the world and break, break the system. So um, universities, I think, are great, but they don't they don't solve the problem. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, broad-based online course catalogs that tend to try and take some of that university content, put it online, make it free or cheap. And that's great. These are very broad categories that cover an enormous breadth of topics, but they're super shallow. And I think what you've seen over the last couple of years, uh, particularly with COVID and remote work, there's a mad scramble to sign up uh, online learning catalogs. Uh, thinking that when people are working from home, this would be a great way for them to kind of reskill themselves, train themselves, uh, self-directed, set it and forget it, and everybody's going to reskill themselves and be state-of-the-art, won't that be great? And what we learned is that set it and forget it just doesn't drive transformation. You typically get 5 to 10% of your employees are using these platforms. Of that 5 to 10%, only 5 to 10% actually complete a program. And so now you're fractions of a percent. And there's no way to draw any direct line to uh, business impact or ROI. So really what we do is sit in the middle of that between, you know, very expensive, long universities and very light online course catalogs. And uh, we really start with what's your mission uh, critical business imperatives, uh, like going through a massive cloud migration or um, deploying data science across, you know, dozens of different countries. Um, we put together really structured uh, learning programs that includes not just the best content in the industry, but real live on-demand experts to help you get through that content uh, and the uh, kind of the structure around that to drive people through and cohorts and, uh, and provide community. So you get enormously high graduation rates, enormously high engagement, and, um, and, and done right, you get two things out of this. You get one-third reduction in your attrition rate and you get 503% average ROI in your first year. So that's kind of how we fit into the, uh, the ecosystem. Thank you for that overview. Really compelling and very interesting data that you provided, uh, painting a contrast between success rates of, of your organization versus some, some other uh, uh, offerings that are out there. Um, I, I, as uh, Given the perch that you have, Gabe, you have reason to see uh, ebbs and flows in demand for different sorts of skills, uh, naturally by people voting yeah. with their with the courses they're taking, so to say. W what are some of the skills? You, you've already alluded to a couple of them uh, in terms of cloud yeah. and, and data and analytics, but I wanted to ha have you be a bit more expansive, if you would, as to the skills you see in greatest demand presently. Well, so interesting. Uh, there's, there's a couple of things going on here. First, I would say data, data, data right? Um, every part of every organization needs better data skills. It's not just the IT organization or some data science group that needs better data skills. It's um, business analysts, it's marketing analysts, it's, um, you know, we work with one of the largest banks in the world uh, with their compliance group, 
and they're big consumers of uh, data science training because they're trying to take data science and build models to detect compliance violations across their entire organization, right? So think about this. This isn't like <laughs> your tech organization. It's a bunch of compliance people building data science models. So uh, data, 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 uh, and that's from entry level all the way up to machine learning and, 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 and deep learning and advanced concepts. Um, beyond that would be cybersecurity. Uh, I spoke with a, you know, a, a client who's you know, a chief information security officer of a you know, massive global bank. And she said to me, like, we're in an all out war for cybersecurity talent and we're losing. Right. And she had given up on trying to hire externally because the talent just didn't exist. And now she's trying to manufacture talent internally from the existing resources she has and through training. Uh, and the third will be cloud. I mean, cloud is everywhere. Um, there's this, this just generational shift from like on-premises infrastructure technology to cloud and not just where you store your data, but how you actually compute and analyze data. Like there's, there's just such a revolution happening there. Really, what we see is when people go through a reskilling program, um, either on their own or as part of some you know, structured program, if that isn't linked to then deploying that skill in your job or getting a new job within the organization, people become very, very frustrated and your attrition actually goes up. On the other hand, when you link that to, okay, you're gonna go through this program, then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to deploy that new skill in your job or even take this other job or even just take a project right? Like an, um, a kind of a one-time project to, to practice that skill, your attrition rates drop by a third. So it really is not just skilling for the scape, uh, sake of reskilling. It's how do we put this in the context of, a, of an employee growth and retention and career pathing uh, plan that really worked for the employee, it worked for the company. Um, and so it's really kind of two paths and you have to be very careful that like you, you link it all together. Yeah, very interesting. I, another thing that we've seen uh, emerge is uh, se several companies developing creative creative pathways for non-technical people to yeah. develop technical skills such that they can join the teams of the leaders who've joined us today, chief information officers, digital technology officers uh, of major organizations. And I wonder what insights you have there, Gabe, in terms of uh, the mix of, of real world, world experience, but also going from zero to one, if you will, on, on the uh, uh, the, the technical background perspective, uh, what sorts of things you would recommend in order to jumpstart programs like that to maybe identify non-traditional uh, talent sources to join the team? Yeah, so this is really important because um, the world is going through this, this transformation and you don't want to leave people behind, right? You want to give people on-ramps into the, the digital economy, not shut that door on them. And um, there are really good techniques uh, that you can deploy to say, take a, a large group of people, like maybe they're call center employees, maybe they're you know, former manufacturing line employees, or, or maybe they're just like you know, people who are maybe have some sort of college, but are in non-digital roles and, um, and expose them to call it introductory content um, that has some practice. Uh, and what that uh, typically does is it, it, it measures interest uh, and it measures um, aptitude and it measures uh, tenacity. And if you have someone who has a medium amount of aptitude and tenacity, they can make it through these programs. You can make it into an entry-level cybersecurity analyst. You can make it into an entry-level data analyst. You can make it into, um, you know, kind of like front-end web development or something like that as that entry point. And so what you want to do is create like a specific program 
that uh, goes pretty broad, takes a broad group of people um, and filters out the people who are going to be successful and then invest heavily in those people and get them that digital on-ramp. We work with uh, lots of organizations to do this internally, work with uh, great organizations like uh, 110 uh, and Blacks in Technology, whose uh, objective it is to take 1 million people who identify as, uh, as Black and uh, without a four-year degree and get them tech skills and get them employed. And we are working with them to actually do that. And so this is, this is exactly the process we go through. Yeah, very interesting. I wonder also, uh, do you, uh, what can you say about um, uh, what you've seen work well in terms of companies developing their own kind of universities, if you will, um, some sort of combination of, uh, you know, toolkits like what you provide, perhaps some of what the yeah. MOOCs do as well, but also homegrown content representative of the products and services that the, that company actually uh, uh, puts out there and, and other specifics, perhaps translating what would be general curriculum into specific yeah. curriculum most relevant to their companies. So this is very, uh, very important and a very common request we get from our, our clients. So we work with nations to transform their workforces uh, from the workforce they have into the workforce they need. And we work with global 2000 companies to do the same. And um, every global 2000 company is going to be a little different than the other. And uh, in, in almost always, in most cases, uh, we get requests well, instead of like machine learning, can you do machine learning at my company? Like that is conceptually, you know, relevant or, or maybe it's not just like your standard path, but like we want a, a citizen data scientist path, right? That's not off the shelf. And we're able to actually work with them and, and very quickly customize programs and configure programs that meet their specific needs and their specific contexts in a way that isn't just like a, hey, here's a catalog, knock yourself out. And that actually really matters to, uh, to our clients or really... I think helps make it more relevant to uh, uh, to the students and, and get the, the outcomes we need. Uh, there's a big uh, move right now into um, creating corporate academies. What is inefficient is if you have tens of thousands of companies creating the same data science course, right? What is efficient is to partner with someone like us who has that ability to take the structure of that data science course and do some tailoring to your context and allow you to get that scale that we uh, uh, that we provide. So I think what you're going to find is a lot of uh, corporate academies and internal training organizations. Maybe there's some really bespoke stuff they're going to make, but they're mostly going to partner with people like us uh, that have that that flexibility to uh, to customize and to tailor. Very interesting. I also wondered uh, what advice you'd give, say, to like a high school senior about their education, formal and otherwise, in the future. Um, uh, are, are there any differences in what you'd recommend, different from your own experience? I know you have an undergraduate and graduate degree, a grad degree from a very prestigious university in uh, Taboot and MIT. Um, uh, talk a bit about what you would prepare somebody who's on the cusp of of uh, university and, and therefore a few years from the professional world as to what, how they ought to be thinking about their ongoing education, please. So I'd, I'd say a couple of things. I just saw a poll um, yesterday that uh, university graduates mid-career mid were asked, uh, do you regret the field you studied? And <laughs> the number one regret <laughs> yeah. was liberal arts. So um, it's really fun to, to study liberal arts. And, you know, I, I took some of those classes in college, but mostly I took engineering and nuclear engineering. Um, and I, what I do today, like I'm a nuclear engineer by training, but I've been a strategy consultant, a chief marketing officer, and a chief financial officer. And so what engineering and the sciences teach you and digital skills teach you really is structure and how to think and how to solve problems. And if you take that, you can go solve any problem. So I'd probably say 
if you have the aptitude and the interest, study some uh, STEM career, you're, you're not going to wind up where you start studying. It's just not like almost no one finishes their career where they start, but, you know, pick something that gives you the toolkit to adapt and to learn. The second thing is your job is to learn, right? You're going to change, uh, the nature of your job is going to change every couple of years and it's not a one and done, right? So it really is a continuous process. Think of it as a, an ongoing investment you're making in yourself to stay state of the art and to really accelerate in your career and to uh, uh, really seize those those opportunities. Great, great advice uh, across the board. Well, uh, Gabe Del Porto, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today, sharing a bit about uh, your learnings and your observations from this lofty perch you have as a CEO of a major ed tech organization. Um, really appreciate you making time. It was really my pleasure and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.